right, good morning, Grace Church. It's great to see you this morning. We are finishing up our series called The Ideal Family, and uh, this morning we are answering the question, how do I deal with technology? And uh, we thought it was going to be very, very appropriate. Uh, the pastoral team just thought, man, we need to give our congregation, our church, some helps when it comes to the technology world that we live in. And so that's what we're going to be answering, that question, how do I deal with technology? And throughout this series, this is part seven of this series called Ideal Family, we've talked about the complexities of marriage. We've talked about the complexities of family and parenting. And, and you can see in the, in the video there, you know, we sometimes before the, uh, the photo that we take as a family, it can be chaos. And then we all smile and say cheese right when the picture's taken, and it looks like it's ideal. But we've talked about the tension that exists between what is ideal, God's standard for marriage, and, and, and his instructions in regards to parenting, and what he talks about when, it, when, it, when he speaks to even being a child in a family, what the ideal looks like. And we've talked about the, the tension that exists between what is real. Often what we experience what we encounter on a daily basis, there's a gap, right? There's a gap between what is real and what is ideal. We've talked about conflict throughout the series and forgiveness. And I've reminded us that every family is a fixer-upper, all right? There is no ideal family. There is no perfect family. Every family is a fixer-upper. And I love the fact that we are not afraid to tackle this, this topic here at Grace Church Family is is such a complicated issue because all of our experiences are so diverse. All of our experiences are so unique. We all have different backgrounds and different families. And so it can be a very complicated topic. But I trust that this series has been a blessing to you. I trust that it's challenged you. And uh, hopefully it's given you a lot of helps too as you move forward into an incredible future with your family. And I just want to remind you, if if you'd like to watch any of the Ideal Family Series messages, again, you can go to gracedurango.com. There's a tab that says Messages. We post all of our messages there. You can watch those anytime. If you need to send them, you know, to someone that needs to hear that message, you can do that too. All right? So let's ask the question, how do I deal with technology? To be honest with you, I've had a a few people comment that, man, you need to be careful with this topic. Um, I've had a few people say, I don't know if you should talk about this um, because I'm not the most tech-savvy person in the world, all right? And so I'm going to approach it from a biblical principle uh, position, and then we're actually going to invite our children's pastor, Katie Davis. She's going to come, and she's going to share some more practical helps. She's much more tech-savvy than I am. So we're going to ask the question, how do I deal with technology? you have probably noticed that we are in the midst of a revolution when it comes to technology. And it's characterized by rapid advances in technology. Many have referred to this time that we're living in right now as the fourth industrial revolution. I mean, the sophistication, the advancement of new technologies are driving change that is faster and faster And it's more radical than ever before. And it's driving change that that both businesses and individuals have to adapt to super quickly. Our lives look different. Our lives are affected every day 
because of technology. That's obvious. I mean, that is self-evident. It's obvious that our lives are affected, our lives are different because of technology. So how do we deal with all of this technology? How do we raise our kids in a technological world? Before we, we dive into those practical helps and we talk about you know, navigating the waters of technology, I want to give us some overarching guiding principles and thoughts from Scripture this morning. You know, technology is something that humans made. It's something that humans continue to make. And, and we create technology around ourselves, whether or not we even notice it. Technology is a constant extension of how we learn and how we accomplish and how we associate and how we create as people. It, it's so much from us that it's actually become part of us. Technology is similar to language and symbols and social structures and art and customs. And, and those things have a name, and it's called culture. Technology is interwoven into our current human culture. And the scriptures has a lot to say about culture and how we, as the people of God, how we as Christians are supposed to navigate those waters of culture. And so let me, let me start with an analogy. And in order for this analogy to work, you're going to have to use your imagination, all right? So, so loosen up a little bit, all right? Loosen up a little bit. Use your imagination. If you don't loosen up, this analogy is going to fall flat, all right? So loosen up. You've got to use your imagination. Living in this world, living in this culture, it can feel like swimming in an ocean. And oceans, oceans of culture can feel like, like they're tugging us in every direction. There are powerful tides. There are powerful currents when it comes to the culture that we live in. And if we're not careful, these currents, these tides, these undercurrents of culture they can pull us away. They can pull our allegiance away from Jesus Christ. And the reality is, if you're alive, you're in a culture that was not shaped by you. You were born into this culture. You, were, you, you moved into this culture. Okay? This culture was not shaped directly by you. You're in this culture, and, it's, and it has powerful tides. To navigate the cultural tides, to succeed in this ocean of culture, you can be one of two things, okay? First of all, you can be like a jellyfish, all right? You can be like a jellyfish in the oceans of culture, or you can be like a dolphin, okay? You can be one of these two things in this ocean of culture. So what's the difference? What's the difference between a jellyfish and a dolphin when it comes to culture? A jellyfish just goes with the flow of current. Wherever the current takes it, that's where the jellyfish goes. Okay? It ends up wherever the ocean decides. That's where the jellyfish goes. A dolphin, on the other hand, it cuts through the currents and it swims towards truth and it swims towards holiness and it swims towards heaven in spite of the cultural tides or the cultural undercurrents. As you swim in the culture, as we talk about technology, be a dolphin, 
okay? Be a dolphin. Cut through the currents. You, you, you don't have to be like everyone else. You don't have to just go with the flow. Don't be a jellyfish. Be a dolphin. So with that said, wow, what an incredible analogy, all right? You can, give, you can clap for that one, all right? Thank you. I worked really hard on that all week long, okay? So with that said, we here at Grace Church, we believe technology is a good thing. We believe it has so many, so many uh, positive things that can come from it. It is an amazing tool that we can use for good. And with this powerful tool comes great responsibility. Kind of sounds like a superhero speech, right? Like, with this great power comes a lot of responsibility. And the scriptures give us some things to think about when it comes to culture, when it comes to the topic of technology. So let me refer to some verses, and um, we're going to give some overarching principles from scripture when it comes to culture. In a letter that was written by John, John was an eyewitness to the life of Jesus Christ. He was a disciple of Jesus Christ. In one of the letters that he wrote, he actually recorded one of the most amazing prayers that was ever prayed by Jesus Christ. It was a prayer that was prayed over 2,000 years ago, but Jesus was praying for you. He was praying for me. He was praying for us. It's incredible. The prayer is recorded in John chapter 17. You need to read this chapter. It It is so good. And he's praying for you. He's praying for us. In this prayer, Jesus was praying to his Father, and he said this in John chapter 17 and verse 15. He said, he's praying to his Father. He said, I'm I'm not asking that you take them. Okay, that's us. That's you and me. I'm not asking that you take them out of this world. Aren't there some days where you're like, man, I would love to get out of this world. I would love to just be taken to heaven, like, boom, right now. I know I have some days like that. But Jesus said, Father, I'm not asking that you take them out of this world, but I'm asking that you keep them safe from the evil one. You see, Jesus knew 2,000 years ago that we, are, that we were going to be living in an ever-changing world, and we were going to need all the help and all the protection that we could get. He knew that we needed to be able to swim like a dolphin through the tides of culture. You see, the New Testament calls us to be like a dolphin over and over again as we live in this culture. So here are a few examples. The Apostle Paul said this in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. The Apostle Paul said, Don't copy the behavior or the customs of this world. Don't be a jellyfish. But let God transform you. Be different. Let let God. You have to allow it to happen. You can get in the way. You have to let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Man, how we think is so critical. It's so important. Be a dolphin is what Paul is saying. And then he goes on to say, then... When you change the way you think, when you allow God to transform you, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God is for you. He's not against you. Paul, the, the same guy that we just, we just read, 
He said this in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. Paul said, so I say, let. There's that word again. You, you can get in the way. You have to allow this to happen. You have to humble yourself and let God transform you. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what the jellyfish does. Okay? Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. We, we talked about this when we were talking about parenting. The Bible says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Okay? And the rod of correction actually drives it far from him. So a child left to himself or to herself is just destined for foolishness because that foolishness is bound up in there. It's the same thing with us as adults, too. If, if, if we just go with the flow and let the tide or the current take us, we're going to end up in places we don't want to be. We have to be intentional. We have to let God transform us. We have to change the way we think. Otherwise, we're going to just do what our sinful nature, you were born with a sinful nature, nobody had to teach you how to lie or how to steal or how to, how to be mean or rude. That just came naturally. So if you don't let the Holy Spirit guide you, you're just going to do what your sinful nature craves. John, same one that recorded the prayer of Jesus, he said this when he was an older man. He said this in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. He said, do not love this world, nor the technology that it offers you, okay? Like, don't, and use it, okay? Use it, but don't fall in love with it, but use it. Don't love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Let, let me just give a quick note of clarity on this. The scripture also teaches us, um, it says uh, not to fall in love with money, right? But yet we have to use money to buy bread and to buy milk and to buy eggs. We have to use money. The same thing could be said of technology. Like, don't fall in love with it, but boy, use it. Use it to its fullest potential. Leverage it as best you can. And so that's what I mean by being a dolphin. Being so full of Holy Spirit joy and Holy Spirit courage and Holy Spirit wisdom that you have the strength and the wherewithal to swim against the current of culture. Man, we drive cars, we use cell phones, we live in houses, we wear clothes like, you know, that, that look more, more or less like other people's clothes. Uh, when Paul said this, he said, don't copy the behavior when John said this, when he said, don't love this world, they were talking about an inward difference. There's something different inwardly. They weren't saying that you can't use a cell phone, you can't drive a car. That's not what they were talking about. They were talking about there's an inward difference. We, we use things differently than the world does. There's an inward difference. Let me say it this way. As followers of Jesus... Let's put our energy, let's put our efforts into becoming holy and wise and loving and courageous. Let's put our energy into becoming Christ-exalting people. Let's put our energy into becoming a dolphin on the inside, swimming against the tides of current and not just going with the flow. 
You see, a person that walks in the Spirit evidences the benefits of that journey. And you might say, what's the benefits of walking in the Spirit? The Scripture tells us what the benefits are, what the payoff is. Here's the benefits. The benefits of walking in the Spirit are love and joy and peace. And how many of you would love to just have peace of mind and peace in your heart, peace in your family, peace in your marriage? Patience. Kindness. This is the benefit of walking in the Spirit. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. Wow. I don't know about you, but I want to walk in the Spirit. Those are incredible benefits. It's an incredible payoff. So how do I deal with technology? When we approach this topic of technology one of the many currents in our culture that we have to navigate. What we're going to do is we're going to encourage you to take a very positive, but yet a very balanced and responsible approach to technology. One that maximizes the potential for good while minimizing, you know, the the dangers, the, the dangerous social and ethical, you know, and other concerns that can come with technology. Technology is a good thing. So don't be afraid of it. But we want to leverage it. We want to leverage, uh, leverage technology to its fullest potential. Uh, we want you to have you know, online experiences that enhance our offline community and our offline success. Like we want to leverage it. We want to use it as a tool. And so it's a good resource. Let's use it for good. And once again, we're going to try to give you some helps, especially as parents. Like how do we raise our kids in this technological world? So when you all walked in this morning, um, you were given a phase map. That's what it's called, a phase map. And I've asked Katie Davis, our children's pastor here at Grace Church, to come and to speak and to give us some practical technology helps. Um, She's going to give us some helps as individuals and as parents. She's going to walk us through this phase map. And uh, you're going to go away with a lot of practical helps and ideas um, concerning Uh, technology responsibility. So if you could uh, welcome Katie to the stage, that'd be awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So speaking of dolphins and technology, um, before I started, I just wanted to remind everybody, be careful what you post on social media because it can come back to haunt you in the future. Um, So like Justin said, you should have gotten a phase map. If you didn't, you can raise your hand. There's a couple greeters who can hand you one if you didn't get one. Um, Basically, we did one per family, and then we wanted all the teenagers to have one as well. So um, yeah, like Justin said, technology is constantly progressing and changing, and a lot of us are having a really hard, hard time keeping up with all of it, all the new devices and the new apps and the new games and this and that. And as a parent, you can have this tendency to want to go drastic and turn off the Wi-Fi and get rid of the cell phone and banish Facebook from your house forever. Um, And while you can control the access at your house, the truth is your kids are going to be able to access um, the Internet and devices at their friends' houses, at school, um, at the library. So you can't control it as much as you probably wish that you really could. Um, So it's really important that you actually engage with your kids in technology. Um, Teach them how to use the tools, 
um, that they have access to in a healthy and a responsible way. Um, freedom with technology should be a gift that you're kind of working towards. Um, the goal is freedom. It's not an automatic gift that your kids get. Um, when Thea, my daughter, turns 16, I'm not going to toss her my car keys and be like, go for a spin. Take the car out. She's going to have spent hours um, training and going on drives with us and learning how to drive a car before we're like, hey, here's your freedom. Go for it. So freedom's not a gift. It's a goal to work towards with your kids. Um, so on this phase map, you'll see that there are four different sections, um, green, yellow, red, and blue. And those simply represent phases. And a phase is a time frame in a child's life when you can leverage distinct distinctive opportunities to influence their future. Um, so we're going to walk through um, each phase, preschool, elementary, middle school, high school, and I'm going to give you um, just a couple different tips and things um, that are on here. We're going to elaborate a little bit more. I'm not going to hit everything. Um, you can read some of them for yourself, but we're going to start with the green phase, which is preschool, birth to four years old. And this phase is actually a lot more about you than it is about them. Um, this is when you have your chance as a parent to model um, how to use technology in a healthy way to your kids. Um, you want to use the tools and not be used by them. So one of the first things, and it's going to be a pretty obvious thing, I think people talk about it a lot, is limiting screen time. Um, so I've heard it said that childhood is practice for adulthood and that we're really raising adults. We're not raising children. Um, the ultimate goal is to raise responsible adults. Um, so by limiting their screen time when they're young, you're kind of setting up for them steps in the future to realize that, hey, there's times to not be on my phone. There's times to not always be sitting in front of a TV. So you want to create screen-free times and screen-free zones at home. So some of these can be natural. At our house, one of our screen-free times is dinner. We always eat dinner together. Um, my daughter is only three years old, um, but we always eat dinner together. We put our cell phones away. We'd never eat dinner in front of the TV. Um, and we know that's a screen-free time that we're setting up in her life as this is important. It's our family time. Maybe you have a family night when you get together and play games. That could be screen-free, or you just choose a night of the week. Um, Man, it could be that a screen-free zone um, is your bedrooms or somewhere like that, different times that you hang out. So setting up screen-free zones, screen-free times um, to model that to your kids. Um, another thing you can do when they're this little is talking about technology as you use it. Um, so I was a little bit guilty of this the other day. I was um, using my phone, and I was actually um, doing some work for my sister. She's a real estate agent. And Thea walked up to me, and she said, Mommy, you playing Candy Crush? And I thought to myself, oh, man, I must have been playing Candy Crush a lot lately if my three-year-old's asking me about it. So I explained to her, no, um, Mommy's doing work for Auntie Kelly, and I was showing her what I was doing. Um, but talk about it as you use it, because if not, your kids are going to always think you're playing games or you're watching videos. Um, so, yeah, so the preschool phase is way more about what you're modeling to your kids, way more about your behavior and your responsibility with technology. Um, as you move into the elementary phase, you're going to begin exploring the possibilities and building the foundations of their online online skills. So this is when you're going to start setting internet boundaries. And you're going to want to say things to them like, never Google alone. Um, don't share what's private in a public place. You might assume that your kids know, like, oh, not to share private information, but you need to teach them. They might not know it's not okay to put their phone number um, online somewhere, give it to a stranger. So teach them not to share those things, their phone number, their address, where they go to school, their last name. Um, don't just assume that they know or that they're learning at school. Like, you need to be their teacher. Um, 
Another thing to do during the elementary phase is to make technology social. So deciding as a family to keep technology in public places. So this is gonna be things like not using technology in your rooms where people can't see what you're doing. Um, and this could even be TV. I think a lot of times now we think like, oh, tablets and phones and things, but like even a TV, um, keeping it social where other people can see you and what you're doing. And this might be something to even model to your kids, like you not using your phone or a tablet in a room where they can't see you or your husband or your wife can't see you, um, but making it social. Um, as kids get into playing games and using apps, um, there's three questions that you can ask them to kind of dive in and dig in and find out what they're, what they're doing. So if they have a new game they're going to play, find out what the content is. So what's the content? What's the story or what's the problem that they're trying to solve um, playing this game or using this app? Like what's the heart of this game or the heart of this app? The next question is what's the commitment? This is like time. Is this gonna take 10 minutes a day? Is it gonna take three hours? Is this gonna be 10 hours on a Saturday that you're gonna have to sit and play this game for you to be using it the right way? Um, but also finding out what's the cost? Is there an upfront cost? Are there in-app purchases? Um, you may have to teach your kids that like, hey, you can't just keep purchasing gems or these things because this in the game might seem like it's, oh, it's I'm purchasing candy, when really your kids have racked up a $600 phone bill um, playing Candy Crush or playing some games. So um, know what the commitment is, time-wise and money-wise. And the last question is, what's the connection? Find out from your kids, like, are they connected to a different online community through this game, are they able to interact with people that you don't know? So what's the content, what's the commitment, and what's the connection um, are the three important questions to ask um, your elementary kids. And then one of the most important things you can do when your kids are starting uh, to use technology is to stay curious. Um, it's your job as the parent to start the conversation with them and to keep it going. Um, you can ask them things like, have you ever seen something online that surprised you? Um, that way you're asking in a non-judgmental way. You're not asking in a way that puts shame on them. But stay curious and try to find out if your kids are seeing things um, that have surprised them, things that you wouldn't want them um, to see. But stay curious about the things that they're using. So um, as you move into the middle school phase, this is when you're going to start collaborating a plan with them um, towards that goal of freedom um, with technology. So as um, they're getting things like cell phones or tablets, um, you're going to want to establish clear limits and expectations um, for those mobile devices. Um, so this could kind of go back to the one where it was about keeping it social, keeping it in a public place. Um, you could have a limit in your house that your kids aren't allowed to take those things into their bedrooms by themselves. They have to stay somewhere that they can be seen. You could also set up um, like phone curfews. I know some families in Grace do this where at 9 o'clock at night, mom and dad get your phone. 7 o'clock in the morning, you get it back. Um, that way it just keeps everybody accountable. Um, so setting clear limits. Um, as a parent, you should think about scripting a response to your kids for when you find out something you weren't expecting. Um, because it's probably bound to happen and you wanna respond um, from a place of love and not from a place of emotion in the moment. Um, so one way that you can do this is if you set up um, 
a tablet or a cell phone contract with them. Whenever they get their, a device that they're going to use, set up a contract with them that has different limits that they've agreed to, but there's also a consequence. So if one of those limits are not followed or broken, then you can just go right back to your contract and lean on that and just say, hey, you signed this saying that this was how you were going to use technology responsibly, and then you already have your response ready for them. So think about the things um, and the ways that you're going to respond when you find out things you weren't expecting. Um, so just as a little disclaimer, I want to tell the teenagers in the room, I really love you guys and I'm for you, and please don't hate me after this, <laughs> this talk, this next part. But um, So another really good tip, a good idea, is to know your kids' passwords and to remove digital locks. If your 15-year-old came home with a deadbolt one day and screwed it on their door and was like, hey, mom and dad, I've decided that this is my personal apartment, you wouldn't be like, oh, that's so sweet. I hope you do well in your room. You'd be like, uh, no, I don't think so, and you would take the deadbolt off the door. Um, and in the same way, we should have shared privacy with technology, um, just meaning that your kids have it and it is theirs, but that you're able to access it, you're able to get in, you're able to see what they're doing. Um, it's kind of like having um, shared privacy, like visibility within the family. Um, so you could even set up a family password. Maybe everybody has the same password. Um, at our house, um, Cole and I actually don't have passwords on our cell phone. So I know that anytime my husband and my three-year-old can get into my phone. And even as an adult, um, it just gives you this sense of <clears throat> responsibility or this sense of accountability with your family of knowing that at any time someone can get my phone. Um, Sydney Standridge actually likes to get into my phone and draw pictures and write me notes. So it's like I know other people who are either younger than me or my family can see the things that are in there, and it's even good for me um, as an adult. So even if you don't have teenagers or kids, and it's just you and your husband at home, maybe consider having a shared password just for that accountability with your family. Um, but yeah, having um, just a family password or just some way that everybody can kind of see what's going on sets up accountability for the whole family across the board. Um, so part of removing those digital locks also relates to social media. Um, if your kids are old enough to be on social media and um, they don't let you follow them, you should be a little bit concerned. Um, you definitely should be able to follow your kids on social media, but you should do it in a respectful way. Like, don't be posting embarrassing pictures of them on their Facebook or on their um, Twitter or tagging them in things that you know are going to embarrass them. Um, don't incessantly comment and be like the one person who's constantly commenting on your kid's page because it's going to be embarrassing and they're not going to be happy about you following them. Um, so man, do it respectfully so that you know what's going on in your kid's lives but that they're not going to hate you, um, basically. So it's easy for me to say this kind of stuff when I think about it. And oh, I might have a three-year-old and I can build up on all these things and I can start off and tell Thea, like, hey, we're going to have a family password. But if you have a 16 or a 17-year-old and you've already given them these things and they already have their own passwords and they have their own accounts that you can't follow... Do not storm in and take those devices away or storm in and just start demanding that you have access. Start a conversation with your kids and just be real and tell them, like, hey, I maybe should have done this a little differently. And talk to them from that standpoint so you can work through it together and establish boundaries together that way. Um, 
So then as you get into the high school phase, this is when you really want to expand their potential and leverage their future opportunities online. Um, so like the um, elementary phase, you want to stay curious. Rediscover what apps and games they're using on a weekly basis because it is going to be changing constantly. And if you're concerned about an app, download it for a week yourself and use it before your kids use it so you can see what's going on. And if something concerns you, have a conversation with your kid about what you saw or what's bothering you about it. Um, if the goal is to create responsible kids, treat them like they're responsible and let them be part of that conversation. Um, so a big one for the high school kids is to set um, limits for technology and driving. And in case you didn't know, you've actually been modeling them, um, modeling this to them for the last 15 years. So what they see you doing in the car is probably what your kids are going to do in the car. Um, so this can even be a reminder to us of, are you using your cell phone in the car? Are you texting people? Are we checking messages? Um, what are you teaching your kids? But have those conversations with them. Um, it can be part of a cell, a cell phone contract and all that as well. Um, dialogue with your kids about the future. Um, discuss how their online presence can impact college, can impact future work. Um, many colleges and workplaces now are screening social media um, before they admit new students and before they hire, and they're looking at pictures and they're looking at things your kids have posted. So if you're following your child online and you see them post something questionable, bring it up with them and talk with them about the possible ramifications it could have for their future um, keep that in their minds so they're not just having a free-for-all online, um, but that they're using things responsible. They're not being crazy about what they post. Um, there's lots of cool things your kids can do with technology, um, and it can be scary, but it's not going anywhere. It's just getting bigger. Um, so, man, leverage their potential with the cool things they can do. Try to build that responsibility um, towards freedom. Some people ask, like, what, which of these phases is the most important one? And honestly, the most important phase is the one that your kids are in now. So if you have, a pre like, a preschool child like me and you can build on these things, and that's the most important phase to start in. If you have a high schooler and you just need to start some conversations and backtrack a little, like, it's not too late. Start those conversations with your kids and try to walk them through being responsible with technology. Um, if you're in this stage of life, if you have kids and teenagers and you feel like you need more resources, um, you can check out Parent Q. It's parent and then qcue.org. And there's a search engine in the top. You can just type technology. There's videos and articles that you can read that are super helpful. Um, a lot of them are actually related to this timeline, which is kind of cool. So you can hang on to that. Um, Pastor Justin last week talked about this book, The Grown-Up's Guide to Teenage Humans. There is a great chapter in here about technology. And in the back of the book, there's also a sample cell phone contract that you could either use as is or can give you some ideas of maybe what to put in a mobile device contract with your kids. Um, so we do have a few more copies left at the Welcome Center. They're $16, but um, it's a really good resource. Um, so yeah, freedom is the goal. It's not an automatic gift. And yeah, we just want to try to help you guys build that technology responsibility in your kids. Pastor Justin is going to come back up and close us out. Thank you, Katie. Those are some great helps, some great ideas. Um, our job as pastors is to equip. And so we're doing our best to, to put tools in your hands to help equip you as individuals and as parents and to raise responsible uh, adults. 
and uh, to be an, a responsible adult yourself. And uh, so this brings us to the end of the Ideal Family Series. And uh, just in closing, just want to remind us that none of us come from an ideal family. Remember, we're, we're all from fixer-uppers. Um, if you're starting a family, you're going to be starting a fixer-upper. Uh, there is no perfect family. Uh, there is real, and then there's the ideal. And, and we have to live in that tension. We have to live between the real and the ideal. We feel the tension on what we know it should look like in our marriages and our parenting when it comes to technology. I love how Katie said, you know, there's going to be times where mistakes are made, where we do the wrong things, and just not being shocked by that, but responding in a healthy way to that. Um, but here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing that I know. I've never met someone from a broken family that wished a broken family on their children. I've never met someone like that. You know, the moms and the dads that I know, when they, when they pray for their sons, when they pray for their daughters, they pray for something better than what they experienced. Even if you came from a great family, you're just, and you want what's best for your kids. We want something better for our children. And you, while much of society loses their focus and turns their back on the ideal, perhaps the Jesus followers in our region, in our country, in the rest of the world will say, no, like, no, we're not going to lose our focus on the ideal. We're not going to turn our back on the gift of dignity that comes with the roles of a husband and a father or a wife and a mother or a son and a daughter, a brother, a sister, a grandfather, a grandmother. We're not, we're not going to turn our backs on the dignity of those roles. And yes, we fall short. And no, we don't always get it right. And yes, at times we get it all wrong. But you know what? I'm not going to change the rules. I'm not going to change this standard or the ideal so that I feel better about myself as a husband. I'm not going to change the, the rules, you know, so that I feel better about myself as a wife. I'm not going to change the rules so I feel better about the condition of our marriage. I'm, I'm going to live in that tension between what's real and what's ideal. And so as we conclude, let's not lose sight of the standard that Jesus has set for us. Let's strive for that. Let's work towards that ideal. But let's also remember, like Jesus, He did not condemn those who fell short. You see, the reality is, is we've all fallen short of the ideal. Every single one of us. We've all fallen short of the ideal family in some way or another. But Jesus doesn't condemn us. He doesn't condemn you. Instead, He gave His life for you. He gave His life for us so that we could pick ourselves up off the floor and that we could move forward in His strength. We could move forward in hope. We could move forward toward the ideal. And listen, for all of us, every single one of us, there is grace. For every single one of us, there is forgiveness. For all of us, there is hope. And the kingdom of God is made accessible 
through Jesus Christ. Yes, there is that tension between the real and the ideal, but let's move forward. My challenge to you is to take steps forward, to move forward knowing that God, through His Spirit, will be there every step of the way to guide you, to teach you, to comfort you, to instruct you. Every step of the way, He will be with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. So let's move forward in faith, church. Let's let's move forward into an incredible future that God has for us. Let me close in prayer this morning. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the encouragements that Katie gave us.